somewhere in space. This may all be happening right now. Welcome to Star Wars at the Movies. Star Wars. Star Wars. Star Wars. At the Movies. An international oral history of cinematic experiences from a galaxy far, far away. I've seen Star Wars about a dozen times. I've seen Star Wars 17 times. 17 times. Star Wars? Uh, 24 times. 40 times and it was great each time. 45. About 57 times. You can never get too much of Star Wars. I... I've seen the first Star Wars 153 times. All together, we have seen Star Wars 324 times. We've been here for six days and it's great! Hello there. Welcome to Episode 6 of the Star Wars at the Movies podcast. My name is Stephen Danley, and to stay true to my word on two fronts, we'll be getting back to the classics and heading across the Atlantic to hear from a first-generation Star Wars fan that grew up with the original trilogy in the Belgian capital of Brussels. Now, a bit of customary scene setting before the feature presentation. Star Wars made its way to Belgium in the fall of 1977 after a sizzling summer of success in the United States. It was only just beginning to become a global phenomenon, which is wild to think about. While it was on the verge of becoming a universal visual language in terms of pop culture iconography, it also had to be translated into and marketed with a myriad of languages. Not only would the film need to be offered with subtitles or dubbed, but all the posters and other print advertising would have to be altered accordingly. In bilingual Belgium, that meant rendering Star Wars and its sequels in both Dutch, or Flemish, and French. Seeing how the franchise manifests itself internationally has long fascinated me, especially in the form of movie posters. At roughly 14 by 21 inches, or 35 by 53 centimeters, the trilogy's Belgian posters were all printed at a much smaller size than those from the U.S. These mini-posters also had a space at the top for the local cinema's name and showtimes. In terms of the graphic design, the Belgian posters mirrored those from France, with Star Wars and Empire's posters utilizing artwork by Tom Young, and Jedi's featuring the unique design by artist Michel Jouin. Each of the posters had the titles and taglines in both Flemish and French, giving an extra challenge for the poster collectors out there. You can check them out, as well as a ton of other international examples, uh, at one of my favorite online resources, StarWarsMoviePoster.com. Okay, off to Belgium we go. The venue at the heart of this story is the El Dorado Cinema. Located in the city center of Brussels, theater was built in 1933 on the site of a former cinema, and it was designed by Belgian architect Marcel Chabot. Its reinforced concrete construction supported two big balconies, making it one of Belgium's, if not Europe's, largest single-screen auditoriums of the era. With massive golden decorative panels depicting imagery of the African Congo and the luxuries of air conditioning and elevators, it was the epitome of an Art Deco movie palace, at least on the inside. Like many cinemas of its kind, the 1970s would bring a shift toward the multiplex model. 
In 74, the auditorium was subdivided into six screens, with two more added in 1978. And by 1982, it had been acquired by the prominent French theater chain UGC, which still operates it today. In 1992, it was restored, reopened, and expanded for a total of 12 screens. But the upper main hall of the original auditorium survives intact. If I'm ever in Belgium, I'll definitely be making a pilgrimage. Another theater you'll hear about is the former Variété. Also in the city center, the cinema was originally built in 1937 and converted for Cinerama in 1961. It closed down in 1963 until a brief run in 1977 featuring something called Spatiovision, which was a 70mm ploy that I've never heard of, but sounds awesome nonetheless. It would only intermittently show films from then until its closure in 1983, but the theater did host a special 70mm double bill presentation of Star Wars and the Empire Strikes Back in August of 1982. To make this all the more Belgian, Le Journal Tintin, a weekly comic magazine featuring Georges Remy's famous young adventurer, ran a contest in the Star Wars heavy issue from July 6th, 1982, which offered a free pair of movie tickets to the first 50 contestants that mailed in correct answers to two trivia challenges. The first was to indicate which of the films a set of 10 characters had appeared in, and the second was to put a check mark next to the film's shooting locations in a list of countries. It's funny how Star Wars had to have doubled as a geography lesson for a lot of kids back then. It certainly did for me growing up. I really had to know where Tunisia was, and my little mind was blown when I found out that Tatooine was based on a real name. Anyway, uh, the Journal's official slogan as the magazine, quote, for the youth from 7 to 77 could have just as easily been applied to Star Wars. It was a natural pairing. This episode's guest, Zia Resvi, happens to have been one of those lucky 50 contest winners, and he was faced with a very difficult choice. Two tickets to Star Wars or Empire on the big screen. Not both, but one or the other. For those of us now closer to the 77 end of the 7 to 77 spectrum, that may well still be an impossible choice to have to make. Imagine the pressure that must have put on those Belgian youths. Before we get to hearing about Zia's decision, which he made with conviction, let's consider how the movie-going public of all ages attempted to classify what Star Wars was going to be, what it was intended to be, what it was expected to be. Science fiction fans certainly had the film on their radar, but what they got was not entirely sci-fi. The same goes for those enthralled with fantasy. It was neither, and it was both. One of my favorite characterizations of Star Wars as a concept is from Irvin Kirshner regarding Empire, from a great behind-the-scenes documentary by French journalist and filmmaker Michel Parbeau. Science fiction uh, has certain qualities that you have to respect, um, all kinds of scientific jargon. We've eliminated all scientific jargon. There's almost none. Just a touch, like uh, salt and pepper. It's not a science fiction movie. <laughs> Just a little salt and pepper. As it turns out, Zia wasn't entirely sure what he was getting into when he was first exposed to the notion of Star Wars as science fiction. Alright, it's time to head back to September 1977 with the feature presentation. And now for our feature presentation.
I was uh, born in 1968. Um, my family is originally from India. Uh, I have uh, one brother who's uh, three years younger than me. Um, in the 1970s, early 1970s, my parents moved to Brussels, the capital of Belgium, and I went to school and high school before moving to England in the mid-1980s to study at uh, university. Um, and then I settled in London in the late 1980s, having been lived there uh, since then. I've been working in London since then. So you grew up in Brussels. Did you go to the movies a lot when you were a kid? And were there any particular movies that made an impact on you? Um, yeah, I'm, well, if I could probably describe my childhood, I was always into science fiction. Uh, very fascinated by anything to do with space, astronomy, you know, the Apollo moon program. I remember at school, I used to draw a lot of ships and spaceships and rockets to the despair of my mom, who, you know, who felt that I was always sort of daydreaming about <laughs> uh, science fiction. Yeah. Uh, my brother and I, we were both fans of science fiction. And I, I recall the local television on Friday night. It was sci-fi night. Mm -hmm. So I caught up all these wonderful movies from the 50s and 60s, from, you know, Planet of the Apes, Forbidden Planet, The Day the Earth Stood Still, all these, you know, movies, cool great movies, actually. Uh, so, yeah, very much into science fiction. Um, uh, in terms of influences into my sort of watching movies, I, actually, I, I've got to say that one of the person who actually influenced me a lot was my dad. He was a very much a, a big film buff of the 1950s, 40s Hollywood scene. And uh, he used to sort of quiz me and my brother. Every time there was a movie on, on, on TV, he used to sort of quiz me. <laughs> so through him, I got to, um, got to you know, learn about great movie actors like Liz Taylor, Henry Fonda, John Wayne, you know, this Hollywood great. And, and through him, I also discovered some great film directors like Robert Wise, Kubrick, Alfred Hitchcock. So there was that. And the other influence I had in, in my sort of movie watching experience was growing up in Brussels, I was interesting because there was a lot of arts and, 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 and a very rich culture built around entertainment. Um, there was great art museums and, and, and I was always drawn to uh, anything visual, the visual art. Uh, and then combined with this, the exposure I had in terms of the cinema, there was not only just Hollywood movies that I watched on, on TV, uh, but also there was French cinema, there was Italian cinema, German, Russian. So I was um, I'm quite grateful, actually, that, uh, you know, I grew up in that kind of environment. Uh, one one of the um, local cinema that I, I used to go to was um, a neighborhood cinema called Rio. And um, a, a friend of mine, uh, who is quite older than us, uh, used to take us there. And this is where I discovered some great uh, movies from the French, sort of French cinema. Uh, I also remember watching my first uh, James Bond, uh, which was Live and Let Die. And I've got fond memories of that movie because that, that movie reminded me of, of the 70s. The colors, you know, the hairstyle, the dress, and everything else. <laughs> yeah, over the top 70s, yeah. Exactly. The Brussels cinema scene was, was fascinating because there was just so many cinemas around. A lot of, uh, lot of great cinemas. There were some very sort of small local private chains to, to you know, much larger chains. Uh, so it was uh, it was it was great. Um, I was lucky to be among, among all of those Th that scene and growing up in, in this uh, the city where entertainment, visual entertainment, like movies and all that was 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 very important. 
So how did you first become aware of Star Wars and what about it caught your interest? Uh, so it came in 1977. Um, I was introduced um, to Star Wars by my dad, actually. he I think it was um, August or September of 1977. He just called my, my brother and I and just said, hey, boys, I, I know you're into science fiction. He, he used to read uh, Reader's Digest, and the issue that he had had an article on, on the movie. So uh, I, I looked at the article, and it had pictures and couple of pictures and, and then one the poster the poster of the movie and i was just just drawn to it but obviously i couldn't understand that this is a science fiction movie because i looked at it i could see that there was this strange looking man with uh, you know holding this this sort of saber or sword made of light and this woman white robe holding a gun and some <laughs> f- funny looking robots in the background and mm-hmm. also a dark shadowy figure would look like, you know, it had a helmet, you know, samurai helmet. And I just couldn't understand it. I, I looked at it and, uh, you know, it was, I was drawn to it. I, I knew that there was something special, but could not understand that this is something which, you know, ultimately is going to change my life. And, and, and you know, it's going to be a fantastic movie. I just didn't realize that. I just could not understand that this was science fiction. You know, it was like a space movie. Um, and, and my dad kept on saying, you know, this is, this is great. I have heard so much good things about it. And I'm sure you boys will love it. It took me about 30 years. 30 years I had see, after see, I had seen that, uh, that Reader's Digest, I managed to get a hold of a copy of it. Actually, my brother, <laughs> went, when he went to the States, he managed to get a, uh-huh. a quite nice, clean copy of it. Oh, that's uh, great. So, so I included this part of my collection. <laughs> Yeah, it's, a, it's an important piece of your, your Star Wars history. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, so, you know, and, and a few days later, he brought us these, you know, the tops trading cards. Little did he know that he was going to unleash such a, you know, passion uh, to, about, to the movie um, in me and my brother. And then a couple of weeks later, the newspaper came out with articles about, you know, the movie. There was pictures and everything else. So I started collecting these, uh, I built up some sort of scrapbook and started collecting pictures of those. Yeah, yeah, those. You've, you've shown me a, a couple of pages from this, and I'll, I'll be sure to include it uh, on the episode post. Yeah. These are fantastic, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and these, these are very sort of, they are the original sort of, you know, newspaper article of that era. We're talking about September, October of 1977. Mm-hmm. And um, I went to school and I took some of, some of these pictures with me and um, I showed it to my friends. Before I think this is before movie, the movie came out, and my friend just looked at it and just they couldn't comprehend. Also, it's just they were just looking at me and saying, "What are you talking about? This, what is this? You know, this this what are the, are the robots? What are these? I mean, these, these funny looking robots, you know, in, in the desert and all that. What what, what does it mean? Uh, they they could not comprehend. Um, and obviously, we didn't know that. But a few weeks later, when the movie came out, I know our lives will be changed. We went all crazy for it. This is madness. So uh, came uh, the the viewing of the mm-hmm. movie. Um, there was a, a cinema called El Dorado in uh, Brussels. Um, you've seen the pictures. Yes, you? yeah, it's such a, a gorgeous movie palace. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, the, the, it was. This was the main hall. This is the main hall where the picture you saw was the decoration on on the wall with sort yeah. of Art Deco style African art. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, that was for the where, where the main screen was and where I watched Star Wars. I, I also remember queuing up to the movie with my, my parents, my mm-hmm. brother. Um, and the other memory I have was there was a, a friend of ours, or a friend of my parents, actually, who, who were watching another movie next, which was in the same hall, but in the sort of same cinema, but uh, 
in another hall, which was A Spy Who Loved Me. It's interesting that I will always have fond memory of that James Bond movie because it was that movie which I, I, I didn't see at that time because I was <laughs> busy watching Star Wars. So uh, that stuck in my memory. The other thing before we actually talk about uh, watching Star Wars was there's two things which I, I recall from the 1970s, which you don't have this anymore in, in, in the cinemas, was you had these lobby cards, you know, the, the photos in, in cinema lobbies. I just remember that we, we don't have this anymore. No, you know, no. It's just, uh, this is, you know, this was an era where you used to have this, these pictures because there was hardly any other exposure to, to a movie, for example, unless, you know, the, even the trailers, I don't think we watched much, many, there were many trailers on, on, on TV. So, right. Um, the, the only opportunity a lot of people had was to just walk by through the lobby and, and, and watch these, these pictures. The other thing I remember from the 70s were cinema ushers. We, we don't have those anymore. No, no, they're, they're very rare to, yeah. to see these days. Exactly. And I, I just have, a, yeah, I do remember them always, you know. They're not very nice people. <laughs> they were just very, very short-tempered, especially if you, if you, didn't, pay, if you didn't pay them a tip. Right, uh, right. Which happens sometimes, and... <laughs> And they became very rude. <laughs> so anyway, so that back back to the back to the movie. I don't remember the audience reaction, but uh, I think just two things which struck uh, to me. First, the hall was so big there was echo in, in 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 you know whenever there was a conversation between the actors. And the other thing I remember was the the last scene. I mean, in the battle scene, you know, the Yavin Death Star trench and all that. I was just blown away. I loved it. I can still remember it. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty crazy in, in retrospect when you think how much had to go into making just that one sequence yeah. and, and how much of that was so much towards the end of the production, too. It's, it's crazy how much uh, of an impact it must have made on yeah. people. It, what, was it a packed house? And Do you remember if there was a, it was, a pretty... Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah, there was because we... I think we had to queue for about... I mean, we were waiting for in line for about an hour or something <laughs> to get to the... Uh, the, the movie had, came out for, uh, had come out uh, at least a week or two weeks. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was long, long queue to watch it. And then, yeah, it was, it was packed. We were just so excited, my brother and I. And anything I could grab, anything to, to remind me of this picture I could grab, I did, and, and start building my scrapbook of you know, newspaper articles, any, any, whatever, leaflet, anything I could get, movie yeah. program, anything I could get. I, I, and I remember I was just so crazy that I, I went to a friend's house and went to his bathroom and he had a shampoo, you know, the shampoo, Star Wars shampoo bottle. And <laughs> yes. it was in a box. And I just grabbed the box and I said, I want that box because it had a picture <laughs> of, I don't know what. I just grabbed the box and put it for my scrapbook. <laughs> I, I, I just... Everywhere I went, every magazine, whatever I could could grab, and you know, um, and so yeah, it was it was interesting time. Then in December 1977, made my first trip to England, and that's a special month in terms of Star Wars and, and England. Yeah, I was, I mean, amazed by the marketing there. It mm -hmm. was different, different yeah. than, than than Brussels, sure. because Star Wars were everywhere everywhere on on in the buses on on posters everywhere you know on the underground on the, the metro and all that stuff and mm -hmm. um, I even i remember even the the barbershop you know the hairdresser they they had posters of, of luke uh, you know um, princess leia and han if you want their hairstyle you know you just come over <laughs> here and you will do it for you it was everybody was trying to you know bank on on, on that there was a lot of excitement um but I, I, I was dying to watch it again, but 
it was something with my family or my parents, whatever. It was like, no, you don't have to watch. Why, why do you want to watch it? Because we've you've watched it already. And <laughs> I was just, I, gosh, what is, what is, I mean, this, what is amazing. It actually took me about three years to watch the movie again. Yeah. Uh, on, 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 on a big screen. So, yeah, I was uh, compensating that impatience with, as I say, getting books and magazines and sure. anything I could, I could uh, get my hands on. In the, in the summer of 78, I made my first trip. Uh, my brother and I, we went with my mom to see my, my aunt, my, my dad's uh, sister, uh, who lived in New York, in Roosevelt Island. I, I, when I went there, I, my brother and I, we obviously we loved it. We enjoyed it because on the TV, there was always all this kind of you know TV shows, all this science fiction stuff and all that. And I think the, the Star Wars was re-released uh, that summer. Yes, yeah, it was re-released July of 78. Some theaters have just continually been running it, but yeah, yeah, it was officially re-released in yeah. uh, July of '78. And uh, what I recollect also was uh, one day my um, my uncle said, "Okay, I, uh, boys, let's uh, let's take you to a department store mm-hmm. to uh, you know buy some toys." So um, I went there, and um, he took us to. Um, for my recall, it was called Alexander. It was. Okay. A department store in Manhattan, and went went to the toy floor, you know, where the the toys were. And I remember the smell of the plastic and, and, and the excitement of the swing. So many toys. We spent probably an hour, my brother and I, just running around, just looking at these toys. And I, I remember my, my uncle, getting a bit impatient, said, hey, boys, you know, just make a selection. But what, what do you want? What do you want to buy? And, and this is where I actually bought my first ever Star Wars toy, which was, I think it was the, the Darth Vader figure. It's a good choice. Figure. Yes, it was. Um the other thing I remember was I saw a toy which I really was really drawn to it, um, which I ended up buying a week later. I went back to the, you know, I, I <laughs> convinced my, my uncle to go back there and, and bought that toy. And to this day, I think it's probably one of my favorite toys of all time um, was the, you know, Star Wars kind of the movie viewer. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, that's that's yeah. one of my favorites, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's your only chance to to relive the movie, really. Exactly, yeah. exactly. I think I think um, as, as you know, there was there was no videos at that time. There was no, no, no. Yeah, just video home system. They they came in the early eighties. Uh, so that toy really was. I I loved it. I just uh, for hours and hours I used to play that loop, which is probably a, a minute long. I think. <laughs> yeah, it's short. <laughs> so, it's, it's funny, you know. Um, uh, we have a collecting club here in California, and we'll do public events sometimes, and and I always bring the movie viewer to show kids today and it is the most popular thing that we bring they, they love it i mean they're so yeah. mesmerized by it now and it's just funny to think how much that same you know same technology must have meant to kids that didn't have star wars on video demand you know that's right that's right yeah 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 1970s was was special for me i mean they because there was no sort of as, as we discussed there was no videos and all that the, the movie going experience was special you couldn't replicate. There was obviously there was Super Eight, but obviously it was nothing compared to going to the, the actual movie. I mean, right. you know, sometimes you had all these Super Eight movies without sound. So I will always fond memories of, of the seventies, and and I felt that um, Star Wars came at the right time uh, because the early movies of the, of that era, you know, the science fiction movie were very much sort of quite bleak, and dystopian movies like Andro- Andromeda Strain, Rollerball. Even uh, George Lucas, THX 1138, they're called pessimistic movies. Yeah, pessimistic um, and, is probably a good, that's a good term. Yeah, yeah. And, and I felt that Star Wars was, was really a, a great fantasy sort of thing to just to, you know, get, get our minds off from, you know, what was also a, a very difficult decade. 
uh, you know, with the economic crisis and Vietnam War and all that. Yeah. So, so moving on to Empire Strikes Back, how was the build-up for that for you, and and when did you first see it? The um, obviously the anticipation of Empire Strikes Back was not the same as, for example, Return of the Jedi, which was even bigger. So, Empire Strikes Back, I think we we sort of knew people knew that there was going to make there's going to be a sequel, and I, I kept on saying, telling my friends at school and all that, and you know I knew that I, I just heard heard about it. So I watched it again in El Dorado. Okay, uh, so it was the same, same, uh, same, same theater. Same okay. cinema, yeah, 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 with my parents, and I, I loved it. I, <laughs> I think I, I, I enjoyed it a, a lot more. And uh, what I recollect very well is that just to see before Vader says that I'm your father, I, I just sort of knew it. I just sensed it. Yeah. Um, just before he says that, I, I remember that. You had a premonition. I, I think, yeah, I had, I had this thing while while watching the movie, just just before he says it. Um, and what is interesting, it took me, I think, two years to watch the movie again because what I did is my, I think my brother or, or I, I don't remember who, but we won a competition to watch the movie uh, at the cinema again. Right. Uh, yeah, I think you you sent me an image of a, a letter that you received, right? That was that yes, was, uh... yeah. yeah. <laughs> Letting you know that you won. So, so do you remember yeah. what what the the story was on no, this contest? I, I don't remember. I think yeah. it was it must have been very simple because uh, you probably just you know enter your name and, and on a postcard or something like that. And it was and a, a, a Tintin, a Tintin journal, right? Yes, Tintin, Tintin, as you know, is in in Belgium. It's, it's quite, yes, uh, it's a, a big fair. deal. Big. Yeah. It's a big yeah. deal, and they had a they had a sort of a weekly magazine, uh, and I think that was it. That was just uh, simply sending your name and and uh, the postcard, huh. and you know, and you won. So That's I was great. quite excited about that. Yeah. So that um, was for the the 1982 re-release of Empire Strikes Back. I or is believe Star Wars? so. Yes. Okay. The, I think it was, must have been the yeah. They had a, you had an option to watch either of them. Oh. So obviously okay. I chose. I chose to watch uh, Bicep's back again. So when you when you won the contest, do you remember that going to that theater and, and yes, seeing it? Yes, yes, yeah. It was it okay. was called yeah, it was called if you pronounce it in in French, it was yeah. variété. I remember it was a, a seventy millimeter sort of large screen. Mm-hmm. The sound was fantastic. I remember watching two movies there also. Tron in yeah. nineteen eighty two. Eighty two was a fantastic year for science fiction. I remember that. And then oh yeah, uh, Wrath of Khan. Uh, it was a fantastic hall. Um, it was not as as pretty as inside, like in, in El Dorado, but it was a huge, huge uh, screen. It was beautiful. Really enjoyed it. And I just, I just love that you still had the. Uh, in addition to the letter, you had the tickets and then an ad yes, for yeah. the, the double yeah, yeah. feature and everything. It's it's just so great to see it all together. That's awesome. Yeah, I think I went even bigger overdrive in terms of collecting anything I could grab movie program tickets whatever i could grab um it was crazy i remember that at some point i, I remember once i was at home and um, i think i was not well i was probably off sick from school and i had i had a tape recorder and i used to there was i had a comic book of empire Strikes back and i used to read the comic book and record myself on the audio tape <laughs> oh that's uh, great scenes key scenes of, of the movie uh, but I even made sound effects and everything just for my pleasure, but also for the pleasure of my friends, just for them yeah. to listen to it. I mean, sure. it was mad. Um, is it also, I think at that time that I truly discovered film scores um, mm. because mm-hmm. I felt that John William really did a fantastic job on Empire Strikes Back. His music score is, is for me, is the peak. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong. I, I felt that Star Wars and, and Return of Jedi, the music is great there. 
but Empire Strikes Back, wow. I think I'm I'm in the same camp with you. If I had to pick a John Williams score to listen to, I think it would have to be Empire Strikes Back. Uh, we, we did have an LP player. Mm-hmm. So I remember getting on, on audio tape a bootleg copy of it, and I just listened for hours and hours. Um, and I think to this day, I feel it's it's one of the best. In, in, in it, has, it has a special feature that very few film score have. That is, when you listen to it, you want to watch a movie. <laughs> when you watch a movie, yeah. you want to listen to the music. Right, so it goes, right. It's like it's got a dual sort of purpose, uh, and it, it's fascinating. And I, I think the only movie I can think of which has the same feature is 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 the Dark Knight trilogy by Hans Zimmer. Oh yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, so yeah. he was. Uh, I, I loved. I loved the uh, the score. I loved him. Strikes Back. It was excellent. I loved it. mentioned that you uh, were in the UK when there was a lot of those Darth Vader appearances and I have a great picture of, of you at one of these can you tell me a little bit about that it's actually no it was uh, it was in 1981 I am um, actually when I, I, I when I found that picture I actually contacted recently my aunt and I asked her tell me what happened and what was going on apparently obviously I I, 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 I did not know I thought it was a real actor yeah, I think that's that's safe safe for anyone your age to have, to have guessed that. Yeah. Yeah. So so it was 1981. I was spending my summer in uh, in Leicester in, mm-hmm. in England with uh, at my aunt's place, and um, she told me, oh, uh, in the newspaper there was local newspaper. Oh, look, Darth Vader's coming to the in the local sort of toy shop or something. I don't remember exactly the location, but anyway. Yeah. So I turned up, and there was a lot of people, a lot of crowd, <laughs> and I, obviously me, I thought, oh, hey, there's Darth Vader, or the actor who plays this, and all that. And apparently, I found out later on, only only just recently, <laughs> that this is actually a stunt. By a, you know some sort of marketing stunt. Yeah, right. Where they had they had all these these people dressed up. Um, I think mostly wrestlers or something like that. You know, people, <laughs> huge people. Yeah, guys that could um, fill out the suit. Yeah, exactly. Um, and but I I, I remember that uh, it was quite uh, yes it was very crowded. A lot of people were there. And uh, I I ended up getting a signature, mm-hmm. <laughs> an autograph. But it, yeah, <laughs> The, the photograph says Darth Vader. That's it. <laughs> sure, it's like getting Mickey Mouse's signature at Disneyland. You know, it's the same exactly. same, same concept. His yeah, suit yeah. looks a lot better than some of the other ones. I think I could see how most people would be pretty yeah, cool. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was pretty cool actually. Yeah, impressive. So, I mean, Riddle of Jedi. I mean, I, I I don't recall my whole life. I don't recall any other movies where there was so much anticipation. This is again before before the internet because. There was no other way you could find out unless you, you know, you grab hold of articles in, in, in magazines and all that stuff. And so anything I could grab, I can find, I, you know, to find out about the movie, I did. I, I, this is when I got into these um, American publications uh, like uh, Starlog and then some, something called Famous Monsters. Yep. Mm-hmm. And and they they obviously fed me with with all the you know all the behind the scenes what was happening and all that and uh, there was something else which uh, got my attention at that time in terms of science fiction in general so there was a show called uh, Temps X which means Time X mm-hmm. um, it was funny because it was two twin brothers 
um, the Bogdanov brothers. It was a, from the French channel, and they used to have that science fiction sort of show where they, actually the, the whole set was studio, so it was, was the interior of a spaceship. It sounds funny now, but I tell you, at that time, it was, it was well done. Um, these guys were serious. They, you, had, you had a backdrop of space. You had, you know, sort of control center, command center and all that. And they were sitting there. Then they were talking seriously about science fiction, which is uh, they covered all kind of things like books, literature, science fiction conventions and all that. And then I think in sometime in 1982 or something like that, they announced that they're gonna they're gonna show the you know a teaser trailer of Return of the Jedi, but it's, it was gonna be quite late. I think it was gonna be some, sometime on Friday night or something like that, or weekdays or something like that. At midnight, they they had their, their show at midnight. So my brother and I are uh, very excited about that. So we <laughs> get uh, the the video was out. So we we had we had a video recorder. We programmed it, uh, and then we went to bed. And you know we just make sure that yeah it's gonna record at twelve. And so we just went to bed and. And then we both woke up at, I think, middle of the night, I think two or three o'clock in the morning and just say, no, we just, we have to watch it. We just can't wait until <laughs> tomorrow morning. So we got up and yeah, it was recorded. Great. Uh, and then we watched it. I think we watched it 10 times. <laughs> I, I can picture that. That sounds like the right thing to do. Well, you just, you can't wait. Why would you wait until tomorrow morning? We could watch it now. Yeah. <laughs> and, right. uh, and I recall also, I think a few days later, a friend um, ha- came over and his mom drove, I think, about an hour's drive from, from his home. He came to our house uh, and he watched the trailer. Just to watch the trailer, he came to our house. To, I think he watched it five times. Um, <laughs> he was another Star Wars. Not, he, was, he loved Star Wars. Just as, Did you charge him a, a fee for, <laughs> for no, viewing? No, no, <laughs> no, no. But uh, yeah, there they were, they were sort of a funny time there. As I say, without the internet, it was just anything you can grab, anything you can record. Always had my video recorder ready by the TV. Every time there was something, a documentary on Star Wars and all that, I, I you know I, I started re- recording it. So when when Jedi came out, you were still in Brussels, right? Yes. Funny enough, it's strange. I, I recall seeing Star Wars and the Passer by El Dorado, but this one I have I don't have any specific memory watching it El Dorado. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved it. I mean, the movie was great. I I, I think it was you know, as anticipated. It was wonderful. Um, it was a fantastic job. And it, funny enough, it took me less than a year to watch it again. So I ended up watching it again in the summer of 1984. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, it was great. Um, but as I say, for me, uh, Empire Strikes Back is still the best. So so after Jedi and things are, are kind of going dark, did your interests stay around or did it uh, fade? Star Wars was um, was always back in my mind. I always loved it. But obviously, you know, my interest in collecting probably died on a bit. You know, and there was so much, I had accumulated so much stuff, all these magazines and books and all that stuff. So I, and I was busy with my, my studies when, you know, I was in high school and then I was preparing to go to university and all that. So, yeah, the, 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 the collecting died down. I, I just focused on, you know, getting, getting to college and all that stuff and then went to England in mm-hmm. 1986 to study uh, at University of Warwick um, and then three years later settled in London got myself a job and uh, in early 90s my brother joined me he st- he also uh, went uh, studying in, the, in London 
Um, so yeah, we had we had an apartment uh, in West London, uh, and then one day my brother came around, and he, I think it was I think it was 1994. He came to me and said, "Hey, there's a Star Wars convention uh, going on at Elstree Studios." <laughs> Uh-huh. So I thought, oh, Star Wars, yeah, why not? Um, you know, I haven't heard so much about going on Star Wars, but because I was relatively new uh, in in England, I didn't realize there was still a big, there was a lot, a big following of Star Wars, a lot of fan conventions going on. But my brother just brought me, uh, brought to my attention this, this convention. It was called uh, Empire Day. Right. It was um, organized by the Falcon Society. Uh, so there were sort of a group of fans who used to do these these things, and uh, so we went there. It was you know autograph signings and and cosplays, and they had a, they hired a hall, and they were they had them some sort of screening of of movie trailers, and then two they, they had two movies which which caught my attention. One was the video diary of Warwick Davis. Uh, oh yeah, Return of Jedi. Right, right. Which is which is a very rare piece because I only managed to see half of it uh, of a bootleg copy uh, mm-hmm. in on on YouTube, but I haven't seen a full copy of it. And it is yeah. a it is a, a gem because it has uh, some scenes with um, you know Carrie Fisher, uh, Harrison Ford, and and um, Mark Hamill. Yeah. Uh, so it is. It is a, a real gem, and it's, it's very well done. Very funny. Yeah. Um, this is the one where he. It's basically a, a day in the life of of Wicket, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so we enjoyed that. But the next feature was something which, I, to to this day, I, I have such a fond memory, and I've, I feel like I've got a lump on my throat every time I remember that. It was a tribute. It was they they had they created that that little. Little movie of a tribute to all the actors and, and art directors and, and, and you know all the pe- people behind the scene who had who had you know, unfortunately passed away since the yeah. last trilogy and and you had you know likes of John Barry and and so forth and then at some point they, they showed the picture of um, Peter Cushing and when the his picture came the whole audience started applauding and then the picture of Richard Markand came. And mm-hmm. the same effect, everybody was just like standing ovation. And, and then I realized, wow, Star Wars is alive, still alive yeah, after all right. these years. So I, I, this was a, a turning point. I thought, wow, you know, I should, I should go back and, and, and find out more about Star Wars and all that thing. And then as I was coming out, we were coming out of the, the, the hall, my brother just said, hey, look, there's some, some selling some Star Wars stuff there. There was like a dealer's table and all that. And I saw these uh, trading cards, which I mm-hmm. used to collect as a kid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I saw, hang on, these uh, because I only collected the the, the first set. I, I didn't did not know that there was there was four <laughs> more set. Uh, so I said to my brother, look, there's some more. Hey, we should we should go back to this and we should try to you know collect them. Um, so uh, yeah, I was you know I, I really was interested again on, on this, and then in the late I think late nineties, my or mid nineties, my brother moved to to the states, and he went on a shopping spree. He just <laughs> bought everything, everything that we craved for when we were young. Yeah, every right. books, every magazine, 
posters, whatever we wanted, because we had seen, we heard about these things. And so he managed to get all the, you know, past Star Log magazine, everything, everything which, which, which features Star Wars. He managed to get hold of it and, and ship it back, <laughs> ship it back to, uh, to uh, England. Um, and then come early 2000, I, I get starting losing interest in collecting. Um, and then 2010, 2011, I finally got into collecting the vintage toys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what happened, but there was something clicked. I, I looked at some of these carded figures and, and thought, wow, this is this reminds me of my, my childhood and seeing these on, on, you know, on display shelves and all that. So since 2011, I've, I've been back to it and, you know, started, uh, you know, going into vintage toys and I've been collecting since. How has Star Wars maintained an influence on your life and, and what part of that original cinematic experience for any of the movies, how has that played a part? It's, uh, it's been a wonderful journey. I, I feel that, uh, as, as I say, it's, um, the, the 70s and 80s, the, the, the movie experience was so much different than, than what is now because there was no internet. So you didn't have you know, all these latest trailer and, and teasers and all that stuff you could watch again and again. Um, so I feel that going to the movies, not only just Star Wars, but any other movies, was was something special, and you know I will always carry that. Uh, and I'm, I'm and I always tell my kids about you know that how, how things were different then. You know that um, going once to the movie, you don't really go twice or three times like you do now. Yeah. Uh, so I will I will always have fond memories of Star Wars, and I'm, I'm very very grateful that uh, other 40 years that you know Star Wars always had was always there. And it's something that I could always go back to it and, 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 you know, capture. I had captured some of my memories, which I still have. And every time I go through the scrapbook, I remember my childhood and, you know, all the things I used to do just to, you know, to grab that piece of memory of the movie. So I'm, I'm very content. I'm very, very happy. And, I'm, you know, my kids are into Star Wars. Uh, it's, it's just wonderful. I think it's something just gets your, your mind off. You know, you get to enjoy something and everybody as a family enjoy it. So it's, it's been a great experience. I'm very, very happy. Thanks again, Zia, for, for coming on the podcast. It was really great to hear the Brussels side of things. Well, Steve, it was been, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much uh, for having me. I, I think um, I, I enjoyed it. I, it's nice to recollect some of these wonderful memories. And uh, uh, thanks for having me on the show. Thanks again to Zia for sharing his story, as well as a ton of great images of his scrapbooks and personal photographs. All these, plus additional photos and full show notes, are available in the episode post over on the main website, StarWarsAtTheMovies.com. To keep up with the rest of the project, you can follow on Instagram at at StarWarsAtTheMovies and the site's Facebook page. Join in on the discussion on the Facebook group, and as always, you can reach me via email at StarWarsAtTheMovies at gmail.com. 
It's hard to believe that another Star Wars movie will be hitting the big screen in just a matter of weeks, but uh, I wanted to put out a reminder beacon to the community for photos of any solo theatrical advertising you may run across at the movies or around town. I'll be on the lookout here in the LA area, but I'd love to get Solo's entry in the site's theatrical photo gallery some wider coverage, and I'll need all the help I can get. Feel free to post them in the Facebook group, or send them to me via email. I'm also in the process of getting another section of the site developed, and I'm putting out the call for images of original movie theater ads for the trilogy. I won't say anything more for now, but any submissions will be most welcome. Big thanks to Ron Salvatore, Tom Quinn, Anthony Trupkala, and James Torson for helping me get a good head start. More on that soon. Finally, one last favor. If you have the chance to leave an iTunes rating or review for the show, as well as for the Star Wars Collector's Archive podcast if you listen, I'd be incredibly appreciative. I realize this podcast is pretty niche, but any assistance in getting the word out there about it to those that may be interested would be a huge, huge help. Thanks for all the encouragement and support for this little project thus far. It means a lot. It's hard to believe it's been nearly a year since it launched, and I feel like we're really only just getting started. Until next time, remember... Relax. It's only a movie, and it's all for fun.